There is a YouTube channel that is obsessed with death. The YouTube channel in question is uh, focused not so much on the morbid thing of deaths of human beings as much as it is the death of another growing ancient relic in our culture. And that thing would be shopping malls, to which the righteous among us said, Amen. Thank you. Dan Bell goes through old shopping malls that are either uh, being prepared to be demolished or have withered to the point that there are very few, if any, maybe one or two stores left in them. Goes through with his video camera and documents, and if he can, he will bring up old footage from when the mall was new, when, when there were people who were coming, and, and there were all sorts of uh, foot traffic, and uh, the shopping mall business, business was a good business to be in. Of course, now with the Internet, we are far from those days. Or we are quickly approaching being far from those days. If you've been to Town East or Town West lately, certainly Town West, uh, you've noticed that there are an increasing, a decreasing number of stores that people go to. That is uh, sort of a good thing to sort of plant your mind in, to be reminded of a simple truth that we're going to talk about tonight. We're not going to talk about shopping malls anymore. But I only use that to illustrate this simple point. Everything goes in cycles. The wise man Solomon says there is a time and a season for everything under heaven. And we would do well to pay attention to the cycles. If you can pay attention to the cycles and the trends... Uh, You can learn a lot about life and end up very wise. If you are, as a simple example, uh, ready to invest and you wait for that low point, when everybody's fearful and and begins to pull out of the market, that's a wonderful time to go into the market. There are lots of things in life that are cyclical in nature, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Specifically, uh, we're going to talk about the crazy cycle. If you're turning in your Bible, uh, you'll want to turn to Judges chapter 2, starting about verse 16. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there is a time to be born and a time to die. There is a time to plant and a time to uproot. Uh, There is a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn. And a time to dance. God made everything in the created world to change. In fact, one of the songs we sang tonight, summer and winter and springtime and harvest, remind us of the courses of life. There's high tide and low tide. There's four seasons. And God promised us in Genesis, actually, he promised Noah that those Cycles would go on forever until the end. There are traffic patterns and fashion trends, solar and lunar cycles, weather patterns, migration cycles, circadian rhythms, developmental stages. What you do even during the seasons of your life. Think about that. Your last years of life become very much like the first years of life if you go the full cycle. 
everything that God created went uh, is designed to be in cycles. The cycle we talk about tonight is a little different from those, but it's one that we do well to pay attention to. We do we would be wise if we would avoid repeating this cycle as God's people in Israel did for many generations. They failed to learn the lessons of previous generations and just went round and round with God. Judges chapter 2, verses 16 through 23 will be, is where we are tonight, and I hope you're following along with me. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their forefathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of that judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers after going after, <clears throat> going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he said, because my people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did, or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. These eight verses encapsulate a cycle that will repeated, be repeated again and again for Israel, her leaders, and her people. And even later on, you think about the story of the kings. Uh, not just under the, the united nation, but under the divided kingdom. Uh, many of those kings uh, would choose to follow this same cycle. Lots of people have talked about this cycle. I'm going to encapsulate it down to four basic things, parts of the cycle that we're going to talk about tonight. So let's look for God's grace in each part of the cycle. The first part of the cycle is sin. Chapter uh, 2, verses 16 says, <clears throat> The Lord raised up judges, saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them, and yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside and walked from the way in which their fathers had walked and obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. They first start, they would rebel against what God had placed in their lives, what God wanted for them to learn what their forefathers had learned the hard way in some cases. Uh, my translation says uh, they prostituted themselves. Another translation says they whored themselves. This seems like strong language. 
There's a key there. When you study this passage, the Hebrew word for Baal meant Lord. Uh, it, was, it was a term that was used, had dual meaning. And it was also a term used by women to refer to their husbands. So my Lord uh, was a term that they would use, but it was also, uh, obviously, for the foreign god, Baal. The metaphor for their spiritual adultery was a common one. And we can see this with the relationship between God and Israel. Israel was often unfaithful, going after foreign gods. If you look at the minor prophet Hosea, what an interesting story of a prophet taking upon a wife of unfaithfulness so that God can show his people what they're doing to him, how they're breaking his heart. I know it's a sensitive subject, but I'll delve into it because I think a Sunday night crowd can handle it. Don't know if you've ever been cheated on in a relationship or in a marriage. But it's one of the most heartbreaking, heart-rendering things that can happen. I'm not saying it's a worse than any other, but it's one that affects you and cuts much deeper than others. God would use this language to remind them that whether we were just going after foreign gods, they were committing spiritual adultery. After all they had been through, after they all, all they had been through together, the Lord was very clear that when they went after these foreign gods, he was very displeased. Um, turn to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, verses 34 and following. Uh, there's a very specific list, and you'll find these from time to time throughout the Old Testament Scripture, of the sins that they committed... And these were sins, and sometimes they were against people. But, of course, the key is here, it's more than just the people they were against. It was they were against the Lord himself. Psalm 106, if you're following along, they did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. Sometimes we'll get a question about uh, uh, mixing the nations and interracial marriage and all of that on Know Your Bible. And we always tell them, no, 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 what we're talking about here, these verses that talk about mixing the nations, has nothing to do with God separating them people by their uh, uh, heritage, uh, by what tribe they came from and so forth. It had to do with the religious reasons. When they intermarried with these other nations, they took on their gods and they defied the living God. It was always... Uh, religious reason, reasons, not racial ones, that God set these commands in place. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. Their sons and daughters. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with their blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Then the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. God is very clear. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. This is a, a phrase often used in the book of Judges, and it was true. 
They had forgotten God. They had left God. So, so many times they wanted to be so much like the other nations and, and to get along with them that they would take on practices that they knew to be wrong, that they knew to be evil and idolatrous, and as God would say, adulterous. Judges chapter 21, verse 25, probably the one verse that best summarizes the entire book. Now, it's good to go through the whole book and read it and study it, but this one verse will just summarize what was happening. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Very last uh, verse of the book. The ironic thing is, when they finally received kings, sometimes there were kings that could would, would, that, to whom that verse would apply. And they did as they saw fit. Now, the good kings were the ones who sought the Lord and who waited on the Lord and, and waited on God's timing and God's direction to act. Well, what is the grace in the sin? I mean, the sin cycle, what is the grace that God gives us? It's free will. It's the ability to choose. If we don't have the, and some believe, we don't believe reform theology and all that, but don't really have the ability to choose. It's God that does the choosing, but if we don't have the ability to choose, then there really isn't any such thing as sin or freedom from it or need of a Savior, for that matter. Now, when we have the ability to choose, of course, God yearns for us to choose what is right and do what is right and seek his heart. But it's two-sided coin. also means that we have the ability to, to rebel from him, to disobey him. By the way, youth group, this is what scares your parents the most. Because there's a, a for, for where you are right now, your parents get to control basically what you do. And to some degree, they can give you a great deal of freedom, or they can, they can nail everything down. They can totally... Control your world. Control every element of your environment. And that works for a time until you leave that environment. And then you get to choose. That fact doesn't just scare your parents. It scares youth ministers, former youth ministers. Scares ministers, scares leaders in the church, scares a generation. What will you Choose when you have the ability to do so on your own. That free will is a wonderful thing when we choose what's right. But when we choose wrong, oh, how wrong it can go. And how very quickly. Sin leads to the second phase, the second part of the cycle that I call suffering. Going back to Judges chapter 2, if you're nimble enough with your fingers to Follow along. Verse 18. Whenever the Lord raised up judges, uh, raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of the enemies as long as the judge lived. God would abandon them to their enemies first as a result of their sin, and then when things would get bad, uh, the Lord would hand them over to sort of fill in the blank. There are lots of different enemies, and a lot of times the enemy's name ended with an ite. So 
if that's an easy one to remember. Uh, he didn't, God never did abandon them so much as give them exactly what they wanted. And you think, who abandoned who here? It was really the people abandoning God, but... And and after a time, God would say, "Fine, if that's what you if that's what you think what you want, then so be it." And of course, they would go after those other nations and take on their gods, and then eventually, those people would come and master them and rule over them. And that would lead to hard times, oppression, and difficulty, and trial, and crying out, and going back and saying, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, we're so sorry, we've we've sinned against you, Lord." In the midst of suffering, hard times came, and they would cry out to the Lord. Um, Chapter 2, verse 14. This is uh, right before our section that we're studying tonight. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them, which is a great, yeah, that's what plunderers do. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. It was not as, as if God didn't want them. I mean, he was tried to do everything within his power through the prophets or the judges to keep them from this terrible state of suffering. But sometimes we only learn the hard way. I don't know, I'm not sure if you have, you know, that one kid who only learns through painful, repeated painful experience. And, and some people learn quickly. Some don't have to endure the pain. But, but as a nation, Israel often had to endure a lot of pain for generations. God used the Mesopotamians, the Moabites, the Philistines, the Canaanites, the Midianites, the Ammonites, Amorites to punish the people, and they suffered. Um, Why would a good, loving God allow the people whom he loved to suffer? Well, again, it kind of comes back to, did God abandon them? No, they abandoned him. And why why did he allow them to suffer? Well, that's what they wanted. I mean, they, they didn't say, please, Lord, give us suffering and oppression. That's what we would really like. They said, Lord, Lord, we really, you know, we've kind of known you a long time. We'd like to go after these other nations. We'd like to be like everyone else. The purpose of suffering, there's a multitude of ways to suffer, but there's a lot of, a, a few purposes of it. First, <clears throat> pain trains the brain. It's a good adage in parenting, but I think it's true in life too. For some reason, our, pain, our brain learns from painful experiences more so than any other kinds. That's why when you get near a hot stove or an open flame, if you ever burned yourself badly, you're a little more careful. Is there a part of your brain that turned on that first time you did it? You got a good little scar or blister. That taught your brain something in that moment. You didn't like that. That was an unpleasurable experience, but it kept you from a multitude of difficult circumstances going forward. There are nerve diseases where some people are unable to feel pain. Sounds kind of cool for a second until you think, man, it wouldn't take long to really mess yourself up. 
when you can't feel painful experiences to your body. You really do a lot of damage quickly. And that's what happens without it. Suffering and struggle is not all downside. and It's not ever something we ask for or desire. But <clears throat> when we go through it, we can learn some things. Romans chapter 5, verse 3 and following, if you care to follow along. Paul writes, speaking here of, of having faith in the Lord. He says, not only that, verse 3, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character and can, character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, we've got to stop here and point out that when we're talking about suffering, there are two types of suffering. The first is the suffering is a result of your poor decisions. Okay? Sometimes that suffering happens and you endure a painful experience and the purpose of that painful Pain is to train you to keep you from doing that again. Sometimes there are sufferings that happen that are not the direct result of decisions you've made. They're the result of someone else's poor decisions or as a result of living in a broken world. But still yet, suffering will teach us the same lessons. Produces endurance, character, character produces hope. I've got to know a lot more people in the preaching position. And some of the most faithful people to the Lord go through tremendous suffering. Have, have had some big losses in their life. And things that they're not readily, you know, just going to share out in the foyer here. But, but as you get to know them, as you learn a little more about people and you, you understand what they're going through, what they've been through... It inspires you just to see them in worship. Because there would be a lot of other people who had given up long ago. Endurance, character, hope. Suffering has a purpose, and it can bring us more closely to the Lord. That's why James says that we should rejoice in our sufferings. Imagine... Well, you don't have to imagine. Just think for a moment of a time in your life when you suffered and struggled in your spiritual life. Or maybe, maybe your actual life, but it bled over into your relationship with God. You suffered and you struggled. My guess is you learn more there. If you're wise, if you, you learn more there, you grew more close to, closer to the Lord than you had ever been up to that point through those times of suffering and struggle. It's a cycle. May we learn even in suffering. And that was God's purpose with making his beloved Israel struggle and suffer, as they did. He needed them to learn that the true blessings and that all of their oppression uh, the, the oppression came when they were without him, and the blessings came when they were with him. May we not forget that there is a measure of God's grace in suffering. It produces something. Usually the suffering is an external thing, 
but what it produces within us is internal transformation. Again, it's up to you to choose that. You have to learn that you want to learn from the suffering. And some people would just, I mean, go through suffering again and again and again and again and again, and they never learn the lesson. May we not be that way, but may we look as at the suffering that we receive. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. Maybe God's trying to grow you. Maybe the Lord's trying to help you mature. Maybe the Lord needs you closer to him, and he needs the suffering to get your attention. There is grace. Number three, supplication. The crying out, the inevitable crying out. We're sorry, we're sorry. Verse 18, for the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. The word groaning here is the language of um, affliction. It is the language of being in bondage. It is deep oppression. And it seems like there are several times, not just here in the Judges, I turn to Exodus chapter 2. Verse 24. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. The cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. God heard their groaning, and he remembered. Did God forget? No, God didn't forget. But sometimes as the you sort of wait till a person when when the when the student is ready, then the teacher shall appear, kind of thinking. And when we cry out to the Lord, it takes a level of humility and setting aside your own pride when you're ready to cry out to the Lord. I'll never forget, several years ago, uh, we had a group of teens at camp, and they were blindfolded, and they were, they were trying to, uh, we, we didn't give them a lot of rules, but we said, we want you to figure out where you're supposed to be. And then we just blindfolded them and let them wander around with guidance so they didn't run into a wall or anything like that. But you know, I have this bunch of blindfolded teenagers just like, am I there yet? Am I there? And if they asked, we'd say, no, you're not there yet. And what we wanted them to figure out, and what would happen was, the point when they would cry out and they would say, I just, can somebody help me? And then an adult would come and take them by the hand and lead them where they were supposed to be. That was a great lesson about, and the lesson had been on crying out to the Lord. It took a long time for teenagers to humble themselves enough to think they didn't know it all. And to say, can someone help me? I promise I'm not picking on you because the truth is we're all like that too. And pride, I don't know what it is. Something within the fleshly nature wants to do it on our own. Wants to figure things out for ourselves. And and, and the suffering, sometimes you get to a point where you just cry. You're like, God, I don't know what to do anymore. God, you just got to handle this. God, I just need you. And God's like, 
bingo. Now we have you where you're ready to learn. The crying out. There's a purpose in the crying out. Um, Keep going in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up out of that land into a uh, out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. In their suffering, as people often do, they, they get to a point where they cry out to God. I'm not sure where you were on 9-11. There's some of you who weren't alive. Um, but I remember it very clearly on that Tuesday morning. And, I mean, basically everything just came to a halt. Everybody's watching TVs all day. What we thought couldn't happen here happened here. But I also remember vividly Wednesday night after 9-11. I mean, it was like Sunday morning in here. Isn't that odd? Do we have to be driven to that point before we go, oh, God. I mean, that's of people of faith. We, we do the same thing. Suffering and sorrow causes within us an eternal uh, stirring of the soul that happens nowhere else. And if God has to use the suffering to get us to the supplication, he'll do it. But may it not take that far. May we not have to go that far before we're reaching out and calling out to God. I always recommend C.S. Lewis's The Problem of Pain on this subject because he writes beautifully about it. I don't have time to quote much of the book, but if you're a, a book reader, um, it's a good resource, and he talks extensively about the value and what happens within the soul in suffering. Um, turn to Psalm chapter 18. We want to look at a specific example of what happened after <clears throat> David's suffering. This is written after David's deliverance from Saul. He says, <clears throat> I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. We're in verse 2 of Psalm 18. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol, which is the word for death, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. 
May we, may we, like David, in our times of suffering, seek to draw near to the Lord and to his holy temple, to his holy dwelling place. But may it not take suffering to get us to supplicate, to ask God, to cry out to God. What is God's grace to us in this phase? It is God's hearing us. Knowing that you are not alone. There is nothing probably more comforting than a person who is going through difficult things than for someone else to come alongside and say, I've been where you are. And even if you haven't been where they are, just to say, I am with you. To know that God hears us, that he's with us, that he doesn't desire for us to suffer. But of course, after the supplication, God being God in his holy, graceful, merciful nature would go to the last phase we call salvation. God's grace to the people was the judges, the men and women who would bring deliverance. God would hear their cries and he would deliver them through a leader. Judges chapter 2, verses 16, I'm sorry, and following. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods, serving and worshiping them, they refused to give up their evil practices and their stubborn ways. God would use 14 men and one woman, Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tolajer, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elan, Abdon, Samson, Eli, and Samuel. To bring God's people back to where they needed to be. Now one thing you'll learn in reading through the judges, their stories, is that he uses only imperfect people to lead them. You will not find 100% flawless people here. There are no perfect leaders. Just as true today. There are no perfect leaders among God's people. And he can only use flawed people. I found this uh, cycle or this, this chart of the, some of the cycles. I don't know if you can read that with our uh, projection system, but it, it put it for me, because my brain sort of thinks in Excel spreadsheets, um, uh, it quantified how God used times of oppression, and he would use the, you know, the, all the ites people, and, and they would be under oppression for a certain amount of time, 8, 18 years, 20 years, 7 years, 3 years, 18 years, 40 years. And then God would raise up a judge that would bring in, uh, the last part there is the, the years of peace. And sometimes that was just a few, many times it was for several decades. But you notice how forgetful the people are. It's easy to pick on Israel because they're all dead. But we do the same thing. We do the same exact thing. We run through the cycles often. Psalm 78 verse 38 says, Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and he did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. We have a problem with judge because we tend to think a lawyer judge. Uh, in this time, a judge was more of a military leader than a lawyer. 
a warrior more than a, a politician or a bureaucrat. It was a deliverer. There was no succession. There was no politicking. They were called and anointed by God alone for that specific role. And they, their purpose was to lead them away from oppression and back to the Lord. But before long, even after God did all that he had done, before long they would fall back into sin that brought them there. A lot of takeaways on this tonight, but I just want to bring you to one application for tonight, and that is, may you avoid the crazy cycle. Sin, suffering, supplication, salvation, and then go right back into sin. And this happened over, over decades, understand. This is not like, you know, it happens during the same week. But we can be in danger of running through the cycle. Maybe sometimes it is week by week of going through sin and suffering and supplication and salvation and then right back in. The cycle starts with sin, but it repeats only by our stubbornness, only by our forgetfulness, by our spiritual obtuseness. At every point, Israel had the choice whether or not they would continue in the cycle or not. But they got... They got drawn right back into crazy. And it sounds easy to, to see, you know, it's four words. Avoid the crazy cycle. Just, just avoid the, just stop. But you would be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't, of how many people live in the crazy cycle. Just live from sin to suffering, supplication to salvation, and just repeat it again and again. That's stressful. That's a hard way to live. It really is. God did not intend for his people to live in the crazy drama that Israel was in for generations. We have the same choice. Their only hope was God's grace, and it's, that's our only hope as well. He offered them grace at every phase of this cycle. But you don't have to live through all those cycles to receive his grace. In fact, you can respond to grace by saying, first of all, I'm not not going into this. I'm not even going to go there. May we live out God's grace without the need for suffering and sin. Jesus is, of course, the true and better judge, the perfect Savior, anointed by God for the holy purpose of delivering us from the ancient serpent, our eternal oppressor, who's been tempting us and torturing us in captivity since the garden. He saved us by laying down his own life that we may know eternal life and be delivered from the crazy cycle of sin. Tonight, if you are stuck in the crazy cycle and you're ready to be out of it you're ready to be done with the crazy cycle i want to encourage you to turn back to the lord the biblical word for that is to repent and to change Uh, the true and greatest judge can deliver you from the greatest oppressor you'll ever have but you have to let him if you're ready to let him i want to encourage you to come during this song and come down front and We'll help you in any way you can, in any way I can. Whatever need you have, please come as together we stand and sing.